Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon to you and to yours, wherever you are. Thank you for dialing us up. It is Wednesday, January 18th, the year 2023. Doesn't it feel like it should be at least a Thursday to you? It just does to me. It's just like this is uh, going on and on and on. But we're here for the next two hours, and we look forward to talking talking college hoops, NBA hoops, college football, pro football. We'll talk about it all, all led by our producer, James Mesh, inside the Master Control Suite in the, the game studios. Which are on the campus of Delta Media, where you can find KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on a little to the west of us in 1041 in the great city of Lake Charles. We're streaming everywhere, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, we're also on television as we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, it didn't take long. Walker Howard, God bless him, has uh, decided on the school where he hopes to be able to uh, become the quarterback that he wants to be, and that is with Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss Rebels. Walker made that announcement this morning. So with Walker Howard committing to Ole Miss, LSU will now play against three of its former quarterbacks in the SEC West. T.J. Finley at Auburn, Max Johnson at Texas A&M, and Walker Howard at Ole Miss. What do all three have in common? Well, it's quite possible none of them will be starters this season so good luck to him and if you had told me that walker howard and jack besh would not be on on lsu's football team um at this time i would have said no way these kids love love lsu They, they can't do that they can't do that but this is the new world and that's how it works so all the best to them LSU basketball back on the hardwood tonight. How do they bounce back from that 40-point debacle at Alabama? Well, number 16th-ranked Auburn comes into town tonight, and uh, we shall see what they do. This is a – you look at the numbers, and Auburn doesn't impress you. They used to be a team that loved and lived and thrived at the three-point line, but – They're not a good three-point shooting team. They're not a good free-throw shooting team. But what they do do in winning three straight SEC contests um, is Auburn defends. And Auburn goes to the glass and gets offensive rebounds. Um, Auburn, fourth lowest three-point shooting percentage in the conference. But Johnny Broom 
Uh, bullies folks underneath. He's averaging nine rebounds a contest. That's second in the league. And he's got two and a half blocks per game, which is third in the SEC. LSU doesn't shoot it well. They don't get enough points in the paint. That's going to be the difference. Can LSU match Auburn's physicality in the paint? A tip-off is set for 6 p.m. tonight. Pre-game show 5.30, tip at 6, and you can listen to it right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and one zero four one. Lake Charles. Koki Riley of the Daily Advertiser, who covers LSU hoops, will join us here in a few to discuss that. Meanwhile, the New Orleans Pelicans, after a 10-day road trip in which they won two games, lost three games, finally return home to take on the Miami Heat. Uh, Miami struggling a little bit. They aren't the team that we thought they would be. Uh, They've had some injuries as well. Uh, but um, it's a big opportunity for the Pels, who have been very, very good uh, at home. 17-5 and five inside the Smoothie King Center, which is pretty darn good. Um, Jimmy Butler, of course, Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, names you all recognize for the Miami Heat. Uh, The Pels will once again be without Brandon Ingram. They'll be without Zion Williamson. So their starting lineup will look like C.J. McCollum, Dyson Daniels, Trey Murphy, Najee Marshall, Jonas Valanciunas. For For the Pels to win, Valanciunas has to dominate down low. Get on the glass. Ali Cassell will join us. We'll talk all about that. Michael Huguenin will join us in our number two as we talk all things um, college football. Good news in the NFL as the Buffalo Bills have welcomed back DeMar Hamlin in taking baby steps Tamar Hamlin has been back to the facility and has shown his face, has met with his teammates, talked with them. So that's that's great news for him, great news for the Buffalo Bills, as that is probably the most highly anticipated matchup this weekend, Cincinnati going into Buffalo. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good. So amazing the doctors and the support staff um that that's terrific that is terrific so congratulations to hamlin um and the entire team that has helped him get to this point in time aaron Rodgers um (laughs) once again keeps talking about yeah i could be uh i could be a um an mvp again I don't know if whether it's going to be with the the Boston Celt uh, the Boston the Green Bay Packers or some other team. I don't know, uh, but I feel like I have the potential to get it done yet again as an MVP. What he doesn't ever mention is a Super Bowl. He always talks about his goals and nothing else. So, um, look, if I'm the Green Bay Packers, aren't you sick of it? Aren't you tired of it? 
because um, all he does is waste time. It's all about him. Uh, If he thinks he can win another MVP, that's terrific. Good for him. But, man, I don't know. He's mulling his future with the Packers or possibly elsewhere. Um, Quote, I think I can win MVP again in the right situation. Right situation. Is that Green Bay or is that somewhere else? I'm not sure, but I don't think you should shut down any opportunity. Like I said during the season, that's got to be both sides actually wanting to work together moving forward, and I think there's more conversations to be had. Never once mentions a team goal, a Super Bowl. Only talks about himself and craving yet another MVP honor. Uh, I just don't. That's not my kind of guy. I'm sorry. Just not my kind of guy. And um, that's it. That's it. Um, Another news on the transfer portal. Cardell Thomas, the highly recruited um, offensive lineman who's never, ever, ever, ever seemed to find his way at LSU uh, has entered the transfer portal. Good for him. He, he wasn't going to play here. It's just not good enough. He realized that LSU has just about everybody coming back and they've added some more big time offensive linemen. So, you know, they're going to go younger. Um, so Cardell Thomas, it's a very disappointing, disappointing career with so many high expectations he seemed like a logical choice to go into uh, the transfer portal yeah good for him now if you need help with taking your lady out for valentine's day the help you need can be found inside the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com as a member of our rewards club we'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a 150 dollars gift certificate to mr lester steakhouse at cypress bayou casino resort a 50 dollars gift certificate to richard's seafood patio in abbeville a 40 dollars gift card to misfits dine and drink in broussard and a 25 dollars gift certificate to mabel's kick at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You can only score these great prizes to help you with Valentine's Day by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Very critical basketball game for LSU. We will preview the Tigers from Tigertown versus the Tigers from Auburn. It's a 6 o'clock tip. Cokie Riley joins me next when we return to the Jordy Helpert Show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You know who we are. We're the home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back 16 minutes after the hour on this uh, middle of the week Wednesday, January 18th. LSU hoops tonight, 6 p.m. Tip against the Auburn Tigers, who were ranked 16th in the country. LSU um, flirted with the top 25, and they have uh, since tumbled and tumbled and tumbled down. Not on anyone's um, bracket uh, in the field of 68, but time is on their side. But they got to start generating some wins. And I think tonight's a winnable game. I really do. What does Cokie Riley say, who covers the Tigers in basketball, baseball, football for 
the USA Today Network and the Daily Advertiser. Good afternoon, Koki. How are you? We're doing pretty well. How's it going? It's going good. It's going good. Uh, not so good for LSU basketball. What did Matt McMahon say? Uh, how this week has gone since that forty-point uh, blowout loss to Alabama? Uh, so far, Coach McMahon's been, I, I think, pretty impressed with the way the team has sort of responded from uh, that pretty embarrassing defeat to Alabama. Um, and I, I mean, I guess that's exactly what you have to see and. Uh, just to make sure your team has, like, a, I, I, it's going to sound harsh, but a beating pulse after what was right. just such a tough, tough um, defeat to Alabama. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's certainly good to see for them. And uh, we're going to see how this sort of how, – how they can generate enough offense to um, score against a pretty, another pretty good defense in, Al- in Auburn. Yeah, it's not your typical Auburn team. I think of um, Bruce Pearl, and, man, they're jacking up threes. They've got uh, first-round draft picks. That's not their team this year. They're not a good shooting team, uh, but they're a good defensive team. The problem is that's the kind of team that you can play with if you have enough offensive production. But LSU has a hard time scoring the ball. What, where, where do they go? Um. I, honestly, this is something that I've been trying to figure out for for weeks, and it, it's just really tough because I, I, I feel like this team sometimes a good a lot. I mean, especially when you watch the NBA, and I think this is definitely true even in the college game. Like the best teams win with the best like one on one scorers and the best playmakers and. They just don't have a lot of scorers and playmakers right now. They have mm-hmm. some guys who, I guess, in theory, could step into some of those roles. And Adam Miller is obviously the most promising guy, at least from the perimeter, from a scoring and playmaking standpoint. But you need someone to break down defense. You need someone to break down defenses. You need someone to um, be able to pressure the rim. You need someone who can win his win win in one on one matchups, someone who defenses have to worry about and game plan against. And right now they don't really have that outside of KJ Williams. And KJ Williams is a very skilled player, someone who can stretch the defense out a bit with his three point shooting, who can score one on one the block, but isn't someone who it, but he isn't necessarily like a like a rim threat, a lob threat in the pick and roll. He's not someone right. who um, is constantly demands double teams. At least we haven't seen it too too much. And we saw it in the Texas A&M game, but um, uh, we haven't seen it a, a, a whole ton so far this year. So, I they have they have Williams, but they but they just need more, and especially from the perimeter, given how small yeah. they how how they're not that big of a team in the first place. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I the more I think about it, the more this might this might end up being just a personnel issue for this team but we'll see yeah we shall see um what what kind of impact does a cam hayes coming back into the starting lineup mean uh for for coach mcmahon and and this ball club i think it definitely helps um hayes has a little bit more juice off the dribble that that sort of juice that i've been talking about you know he's a pretty explosive athlete with a good handle um he can kind of score on his own one-on-one on top of at the top of the key uh, he's a good athlete, pretty explosive. I, I think that, yeah, I think that certainly helps. And it sounds like he's going to be pretty, pretty healthy 
very close to 100% for this game. Um, uh, Coach McCann didn't expect him to even play in the Alabama game uh, because of that ankle injury, and um, he, he he was okay in those minutes. And uh, but even even though he didn't really have a week of practice and to sort of ramp up to that game, and now he's had a few days to practice, and uh, mm-hmm. looks like he's uh, more or less 100% now. Uh, we'll see. Six o'clock uh, tip tonight against the Auburn Tigers. I, I, look, I, I've said it, and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. The only way LSU basketball can win games this year is they've got to have a really, really good shooting percentage. Uh, that's the only way they got. They don't have enough star power mm-hmm. where they can just um, create things on their own. They've got to shoot a very high percentage. They got to knock down free throws. They've got to attack the rim. If they can do that, I think Auburn's a beatable team. I really, really do. I, I'm not impressed with them. I know they defend. I know they get to the glass pretty well, but they're not the they're not the shooting team that they used to be. Of course, that can change overnight. Hopefully, that overnight is not tonight. Meanwhile, the women play again Thursday. Is anybody prior to South Carolina going to give this team any kind of contest? They're blowing te- people out by thirty points a game. It seems like. Yeah, it doesn't. It really doesn't seem like anyone can stop this um, LSU women's team. Uh, I mean, Corey's done a great job of uh, covering covering them for us this season, and at least from my perspective, um, I haven't been able to watch them too too much from just a uh, personally just 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 since I'm busy covering some of the, a lot of the other LSU teams as well. But yep. I guess just from my perspective, though, like they're they're a really good rebounding team. Um, I mean, Angel Reese seems to be pretty unstoppable. When you can control a glass in the women's game, you can control a lot of different things. And uh, it really seems like they're, they can do that with a pretty good perimeter game, especially when you bring back a, a like a really productive um, uh, perimeter threat in Alexis Morris. So, yeah, I mean, they are so dominant that it's hard for me to see them lose before they get to South Carolina. Or and if they end the tournament with more than say three losses, I'd be pretty surprised. So uh, I, yeah, I mean, what they're doing is incredibly impressive, and I know there's been some, I don't say bickering, but there's been a little bit of like, like some like trepidation with this team just because uh, they they're winning games, but they had they their competition, their level of competition, especially in the non-conference, just hasn't been as high mm-hmm. as some of the top teams, other top teams in the nation. But right. I mean, when you're beating everyone by 30 points, like that's what you're supposed to do against those teams. Like if they were winning those games by five, ten points, whatever, then sure it'd be a little bit more concerning, even with the wins, because they're not dominating the teams that they should dominate. But they're dominating the teams that they should dominate, at least the way as like a dominant team should be teams. So I, I think that's extremely promising for for their prospects moving forward. And I think they do, they do deserve to be talked about with some of the best teams in the nation. Yeah, I'd, I'd pack it in. I'd play a really tight zone, and I'd say, LSU, I'm going to make you shoot it from outside. And if you if you knock down a good percentage and beat us, so help me. Uh, got Good for you, but we're not letting this girl, Angel Reese, get layup after layup after layup. We're just going to surround her, and that's going to be it. That, I think that's the only shot you have. So, so we shall see. They play again Thursday um, in Pete's Palace against the Arkansas Razorbacks. Baseball's about 30 days away from starting. They've got their preseason press conference coming up um, in about nine days on the 27th of this month. They'll start practicing. I mean, there is so much hype to this team. 
man, I know on paper, you got to take what's on paper and put it on the field, but wow, it sure seems like they're loaded, man, uh, from top to bottom. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. Um, they are pretty much, it, they're trending towards being the consensus number one team in the nation. They had probably had the best transfer portal uh, season, off season in the nation. They, uh, I mean, their the recruiting class was probably arguably the most talented in the nation as well. Like, it's it, it's pretty wild how how I guess impactful of an off season that Jay Johnson had, while also changing out multiple members of his coaching staff in the process. So, I. It's going to be really fascinating to see. I mean, it's all going to come down to the pitching because we know this team's going to be able to yep. get the ball, um, even yep. if a guy, even if some of the additions struggle for whatever reason or get hurt or for whatever reason. As long as Dylan Cruz is healthy, as long as most of the other guys are healthy, they're going to hit the ball. Just a matter of the pitching, and I, I think, and I think most people think that their pitching is going to be a lot better this season. And I, I think so as well. But if, there, if there's anything you have to look out for, it's that. And some of, some of the infield defense might be um, maybe a tad concerning. I mean, Tommy White might be more of a DH product than a third baseman. And you could argue that some of the depth up the middle is a little bit concerning. I mean, Jordan Thompson had his defensive struggles last season. Uh, right. The second base situation is going to be kind of interesting. So, yeah, they have – some question marks, I, I guess, if you even want to call them question marks. For most teams, these are like, these are, these would be like your secondary or thirdary uh, right. question marks. But for this team, it's their primary ones just because they don't really have any major concerns on this team just because there's just so much depth pretty much all across the field except for even middle infield. And they filled so many holes over the offseason. So, I'm excited to see how this team rolls out there, and I, I think if they don't make the College World Series, it would be a, a it would be a pretty major disappointment. Oh, huge disappointment! You're right, uh, Koki Rowley with us. Um, Brian Kelly tweeted out today is the first day of spring semester for our team. I'm proud of the work they've done to finish with the program's highest cumulative GPA in five years. They continue to do the work on off the field to graduate champions. So that's good news. Um, Walker Howard to Ole Miss. What do you think? Um, yeah, I, I, I think I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see if he can push uh, Jackson Howard for the starting job at all. Um, I, I mean, I think there's a chance. I don't think it's totally impossible. Uh, um, not Jackson. Jackson Dart, Jackson, not Jackson Howard. My, Jackson Dart. My, yeah, yes. my apologies. Um, <laughs> that was That's a bit okay. Of a, Jackson Howard. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, with 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 Walker, I I just feel like, yeah, I just feel like the more I thought about it, the more I've sort of understood why he would enter the portal and and leave LSU because it, it would have been another season of third string reps, scout team reps this year, and then next year um, with with Daniels and Nussmeier Nuss, uh, staying, and then next year he probably wouldn't have much of a chance of being the starter in 2024 just because Garrett Nussmeyer does seem like he's a good step or two ahead of Walker. And I think that's what really, that's what that decision really tells you is that he just wasn't particularly close to becoming, to being a, I I guess even a contender for the starter starting spot. And and I think if if that gap was closer um, between him and Nussmeyer, then I think he definitely stays, but I don't think that's the case. So I think going to 
uh, like going to a different situation at Ole Miss with a really good, with a really good uh, and a really good offensive system with a coach who knows how to coach quarterbacks like Lane yeah. Kiffin. I, I think that can definitely be helpful for his career. We'll see if it comes back to haunt LSU or not. We'll see. Were you surprised? I, I wasn't surprised John Emery did not declare for the NFL draft. Uh, him coming back to LSU with Josh Williams, Armani Goodwin, Noah Kane, Caleb Jackson, Trey Holly. I don't know what, uh, you know, I know Josh Williams can play. I'm not sure about all the others, uh, but Emery certainly had flashes of brilliance. They just weren't consistent flashes. What do you think of that running back room now? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought Emory's production was a little bit inconsistent, like you said, but you could, the tools are still there in terms of his yeah. speed and his athleticism and combined with that pretty good frame. So, um, yeah, he gives them a little bit of extra juice in the backfield when Josh Williams is a very steady runner, a very, uh, who, you know, understands uh, where the hole is at the right time, uh, very good in pass protection. But, yeah, like I guess Emory just gives them like that slightly different, I guess more explosive element in the backfield. Like I, I like the depth in the, in the room they have at running back. Yeah. Like you don't need to break the wheel when it comes to that position. You just need stability and depth. And I think they have that now. And I think with Emory coming back, uh, I don't really see a reason for them to enter the portal, go into the portal, or add anyone else in high school ranks um, to the position. So I think they're in pretty good shape there. I think the Emory news is good news for them overall. Um think tonight this is crazy in modern college basketball but i think first team to like 65 66 points wins i don't know if there's enough offensive firepower on either team i think it's going to be a slug fest on the defensive side we shall see but i know you'll be there to cover it and Koki riley from the daily advertiser usa today network thank you my friend enjoy the hoops tonight yeah will do and i, I totally agree with you that it's probably going to be a pretty low scoring game uh thanks again for having me on Ah, uh, you're the best. I appreciate it. Uh, with that, you can tune in tonight. If you can't go, turn on your radio. LSU's hoops team tries to get back on track. It hosts Auburn. Pre-game begins at 5.30. Tip the set for six. Listen to all the action right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. While the college game's going on here, we got an NBA going on, NBA game going down in Nolens. We'll preview the um Pels and the Heat with Ali Cassell from At the Bird Rights when we return to the Jordy Helfrich Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your hall for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Back on this Wednesday, January 18th, tonight, Smoothie King Center. Finally, it seemed like it's been forever and a day. Well, it was been 10 days and five games away from home. But tonight, the uh, New Orleans Pelicans at 26 up, 18 down, and third in the Western Conference, five games out of first place, takes on um, the Miami Heat. The Heat are 24 and 21. They're pretty good on the road, 10 up, 12 down. Let's talk about the Pels. Let's talk about the NBA with the one and only Ali Cassell from At the Bird Rights. Ali, what's happening? How you doing, buddy? Hey, Jordy. Looking forward to a game because, like you, I feel like it's been forever since uh, I've seen one in person here in person here in New Orleans. Yeah. Um, 
kind of sum up the five game. We talked about it before they started the 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 five game road trip. I thought there were two winnable games. I thought there were three mm-hmm. very difficult games, and it turned out that's how kind of how it panned out. Yeah, exactly, and that's what they've been doing all season, right? They've been winning games yeah. at home. They're seventeen and five, and they've been beating up on the sub five hundred team. Uh, they're seven and two uh, against you know teams with losing records. So. They've taken care of business, so it's kind of nice to be able to check that box off. I don't can't recall the last time we've been able to do both in a season, but you also want to start seeing them beat some good teams, right? And I think they'll have an opportunity tonight because I, I feel like the Heat are trending upwards, even though they've got a couple of guys that are sidelined. Kyle Lowry's one of them. Uh, who else is Who else is out tonight for Miami? I think Duncan Robinson's out. Caleb mm-hmm. Martin's questionable, but he's been productive for them, right? They've got a lot of these role players that they get yeah. a lot out of, right? So it's not just Tyler here and Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo on that team. Yeah, um, no question. I, I love um, Duncan Robinson. I, I, I like his game. I just like the way he can shoot. He'd be, boy, he would be terrific with this team. But no Zion, no um, Brandon Ingram. Who, for this team to stay afloat the way they have, who is really up there? production has it been cj mccullum has it been Jonas? who's been the guy that's really stepped up the game when you when you're missing 20 uh, 50 something points a night with those two Mm all-stars out of the lineup yeah it's definitely been a a, i think a trio of guys and you named two of them cj's been phenomenal right since he overcame his covid illness he's just he's been playing like an all-star and i'm kind of upset that he's not getting more buzz for the game because look the pelicans are third place overall in the west and you've got to have somebody represent your team, right? So if Zion doesn't make it, boy, it better be CJ getting a spot somewhere on that team. Boy. But outside of him, Alan Tunis has been fantastic, right? He's been yeah. able to basically get you 20 points any given night, maintaining, you know, get, make, making sure the Pelicans are still scoring inside. That's always was an issue in previous years when Zion missed games. They just couldn't score inside kind of uh, with any kind of regularity. But Jonas has taken care of that. And then third, let's add Najee Marshall to the mix. He's been averaging yeah. over 18 points a game now for, I want to say, about three and a half weeks or so. He's not a guy that you would expect this from, right, Jordy? When you look at what he done, had done previously, he was very inconsistent as a scorer. But for him now to string together all these performances, and I love how he's getting to the basket, right? He's either yes. scoring on drives, making up for that missing Zion contributions in that department, plus he's getting the free throw line. So all three of those guys, I feel like, have honestly consistently stepped up but I'll tell you what, we need to see Brandon and Zion get back. They've combined to miss 44 games, Jordy. No other team above them in the standings, right? The Celtics, the Nets, the 76ers, all their star duos, they haven't come close to missing that amount of games. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's the curse for the Pelicans. I, you know, We, we kind of have a timetable on Zion, but this Brandon Ingram mystery just won't go away. What, who, what are you hearing about this? Yeah, yeah. Look, I feel like it's been at least two or three times where we felt like his return was around the corner. He was supposed to return um, on, on the Pelicans' road trip last month where they went out west, where they you know had a couple of games in Phoenix, Utah, and we thought maybe he'd return for that, but ended up he had a setback. Well, then ever since then, there's been a couple more times where you, know, you felt like, including this last road trip, it sounded like Willie Green said he was – probably going to practice. And, you know, once a player practices, able able to go fully through a practice, he's back in the lineup. So we thought there was right. a good chance that might happen on the road. Well, he hasn't practiced yet in, in full, and 
we're still wondering. I mean, we're being told that he's going to be back really any game now, but look, we've been saying that for weeks now, and he's missed, <laughs> what, a total of, I think, 26, 27 games with this injury. Yeah. I just kind of wonder, if this were the playoffs, would he suck it up and go play, or is it that bad that he, he can't would. even move? Yeah, Georgie, I think he would, because last season he hurt his pinky, honestly, to where he needed surgery after the uh, playoff series concluded against the Suns. But he held off, of course, on missing any time until the playoffs were done. And I've heard of stories where he's also had some other nicks and bruises in key games where he's played through those. But for some reason, he just won't play right through enough regular season games for you. And he's not alone, right? There's other players in this league that do it. But B.I. certainly does seem to miss more games than others. He is Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights, Miami, um, 24 and 21, seventh place in the Eastern Conference. You know, they, they average about 108 points. Conversely, Pels are averaging 117. So Miami's always got that tough defense, tough grinded mm-hmm. out kind of a mentality of a Pat Riley run franchise. Um, they, the reports are that the trade deadline, when that begins, um, Miami's going to be a buyer and a seller. Uh, they may have some valuable pieces there that maybe some teams would be interested in. Are, are the Pels going to be a buyer at the trade deadline? Yes. Do you think they're actually they're, they're entertaining the looking, thought? Uh, Jordy, because they've got a few holes, right? We see them. It's evident. Devontae Graham and Jackson Hayes have not performed consistently enough, not for Agreed. regular uh, minutes in the rotation. And the Pelicans' three-point shooting, ever since that first month of October, it's really trended downhill to where I think they're in the bottom half of the league since the start of November. So, you know, you can rely on Brandon Ingram once he gets back. But CJ and Trey Murphy, other than that, that's it. I don't think anybody else since November 1st is shooting over 35% from three. That's a problem. You're going to need, I think, to add at least one guy. And, of course, with Jackson, you, you want a rim deterrent. You need somebody that's going to be athletic in the paint thwarting shots, and not just shot blocks, right? I'm just talking about making other teams miss, right? When you've got a guy that can jump like you know, Jackson can or anybody else like him, you should be able to defend the paint well. Jackson's not been able to do it. The Pels don't have anybody else, right? Valanciunas can't do it, neither can Billy Hernan Gomez. So I don't know who the center they could chase, but I'll tell you what, I like Boyan Bogdanovich out of Detroit. He's just a great <laughs> scorer. And can you imagine if he was coming off the bench for this team? Plus, there'd be nobody better, I think, for Trey Murphy to learn on how to get your open looks, right, than watching Boyan out there. Uh, what a three-point shooter he is. That would be mm-hmm. ideal. Ali Cassell at the bird rights. I read something. I can't remember where it was, but they were they were talking about uh, LeBron James, and LeBron's going to pass Kareem up this year. I think that's, what, that's all he's interested in this year. I think he wants to get that. He's going to get that in February, so it's not that far away. Um And then they were talking about free agent after that. And, you know, he wants to go chase another ring. And I heard one of the potential landing spots for LeBron James was New Orleans. I I went, whoa, how how fun would that be? In a theoretical world, of course, it would be fun. You're adding maybe arguably the best player of all time, or at least definitely somebody in the top five to a team that's loaded with talent. So you can see why that's appealing, right? But on the other hand, yeah. Jordy, I have to laugh at it because I don't see it happening. I know LeBron has had a chance to come here in the past. Remember when DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis were here? I know that there yeah. was some kind of pull to get him in. Same thing with Kevin Durant, but those players didn't even look New Orleans' way. And more to the point, I don't think this team would, say, be elevated by adding a LeBron James, right? Because look at who is out there. 
You got C.J. McCollum, who performs best with the ball in his hand. Same thing with Zion, same thing with Brandon Ingram. And if you remember, Ingram struggled when playing alongside LeBron in L.A. So I don't think it would be a match made in heaven. Because with LeBron, you want to just surround him with shooters, right? Guys that can't really create their own shots very well. Because look how much he and Westbrook have often clashed, right? So I don't see, even if, you know, fantasy world, it sounds like fun. I don't see how it will honestly work all that well here in New Orleans. He's ball dominant. There's no question about that. How about the Iron Man, Valanchunas? I mean, how what a what a great pickup, and how consistent has this dude been throughout his stay in New Orleans? It's been so necessary. I thought last season one of the reasons why the season didn't go completely awry is because of Jonas. He was yeah. usually their first half MVP, to where you know you could count on him at least going out there, getting you 20 and 10 on great efficiency. And that's what he does when he's given the opportunity. That's what he does. And, and for the guy not to miss games, that's my favorite. Everybody's missing yep. games. We just got done talking about it. Pelicans have two that seemingly always miss a ton of games every year in B.I. and Zion, but not Jonas. And you need that. I think durability is such an underrated skill in today's NBA, where availability, honestly, is everything. If you've got your stars out there for the vast majority of games, I'll tell you what, you're going to be a good team, and you could even have a great season because of it. But if you don't get those guys out there, well, suddenly all those dreams and, and hopes of maybe you know getting far in the playoffs or something like that probably don't happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. It wasn't that long ago that the Phoenix Suns were on the top of the uh, right. Western Conference, um, and the Pels were chasing them, and they had that great um, home and home, you know, home double double dip on a Friday and a Sunday, and there was a lot of uh, boy. You, you thought, man, this is going to be a rivalry here. Now, now you talk about a team decimated by injuries. The Suns right now are out of the playoffs. They're twenty one and twenty four. They've lost nine of their last ten. No Booker, no Chris Paul. But I mean, on and on and on. They haven't handled injuries uh, very well as compared to New Orleans, who is, I guess, it shows the quality of depth. They've they've right. kind of treaded water. Four and six, their last ten. They win one, lose one, uh, and and again, going on the road is never easy. But it just goes to show you um, the depth and the talent on this club. Yeah, and thank goodness for that, because otherwise the Pelicans, no way are they even close to being eight games over five hundred. And you're right, the Suns, they've won I think six games since the start of December. Can you imagine that having <sighs> championship aspirations, being first, and suddenly go through a streak like that? Yeah, they're not only missing Devin Booker, but Jay Crowder not playing this year, having Cam Johnson now miss, you know, weeks upon weeks. It's just absolutely killed him. And now Chris Paul's not that same guy anymore, Jordy, right? He slowed down a step, and now he's missing yeah. games too. So I don't know what they're going to do. But I'll tell you what, they're sitting outside of the playing tournament bubble. So they're going to have to turn their act around quickly if they want to do anything at all this season. Are you buying stock in Sacramento? They're 24 and 18. They're just one game behind the Pels. They're in fourth in the Western Conference. Nobody expected this team to be like this. Is this um is this luck? Is, are they going to come back down to earth or what do you think? I think they're taking first of all advantage of a West that's wide open, right? We just we're, we're talking about injuries and what what happened to the Suns. Same things kind of affecting the Lakers, but they're not a good team. But there's other teams like right? the Clippers. They've got no consistency of play from Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. So suddenly there's a vacuum at the top, right? I mean, the Mavericks aren't as good as everybody expected, right? They really missing Jalen Brunson. So I feel like the Kings have honestly stepped in and been a great story. They've had the talent. People thought they had the talent last year after they made that trade for Sabonis, and now. 
he and De'Aaron Fox, who I think probably should be an all-star. De'Aaron Fox is having a great season. Yes. And they've got yes. great pieces around them, too, Jordy. I mean, Harrison Barnes is always reliable, but they've got Kevin Herter, too. Keegan Murray's a pretty good-looking rookie. And, of course, they got Malik Monk, who I thought was the best player on the Lakers, not named LeBron last season. So hmm. they've got a decent team there, and they're scoring points, right? I think they're leading the league in points per game at 120. So we know how they're getting it done. And if you can do it consistently, hey, you don't need to play the best of defense if you're scoring the most in the league. That is the, an accurate stat, averaging 120 per game, giving up 117 plus three in the differential. They've won four in a row, seven of their last ten. Oh, yeah, De'Aaron Fox. I mean, how many, how many of these Kentucky Wildcats are out there now just thriving, uh, thriving in the NBA? God, so many guards playing so stinking well. It's just, uh, it's just amazing. Um, I keep waiting for the Memphis Grizzlies to stumble, but. They just don't. They've won 10 in a row. And John Morant's got to be in the in the conversation for MVP, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, look, Jordy, what? Memphis is right there neck and neck with Denver for the Western Conference lead um, at the top of the standings. And the big reason why, really, is just John Morant. They have no other star. They've got good players, right? Don't get me wrong. But Desmond Bain, he's missed like 20 games this year. Jaron Jackson, he always misses a bunch of games, too. But if between Morant, and I've I got to give credit to Memphis' defense, I think they're the best in the league, and they've shown it since Jackson got back. Because I think before he got back from his injury from last season, they were last in defensive uh, rating. Now, since he returned, they've been first. So it goes to show you how one player can make all the difference. So they're just a good, well-put-together to team, right, for not having yeah. the stars outside of Morant. All right, let's talk about tonight, Miami and uh, the uh, the Pels. What, what, what's the keys for the Pels tonight against a team that uh, kind of hangs their hat on the defensive end? Yeah, it's, it's two things for me. You can't get beaten up on the glass because Miami's okay. obviously not a good rebounding team, so you can't give away the second-chance points and stuff like that. That's kind of haunted, right, the, this Pelicans team and a lot of their losses. And the second thing, do not put Jimmy Butler on that free-throw line. I've seen some games this year, Jordy, where I think a couple weeks ago, he had 23 free-throw attempts, made all of them in the first three quarters of a game. If you're giving away that many free points to a team that honestly has a lot of difficulty in scoring, boy, you're re- really burning yourself. So keep them off the free-throw line and, and make sure you hold them just to one shot of possession. Just, you know, take care of those fundamentals. I think the Pelicans should be all right. All right, let's go for a nice crowd inside the Smoothie King Center. Welcome the Pels back. Let's get back on a winning streak and uh, and go from there. Ali Cassell, you'll be there, and I greatly appreciate Absolutely. your time, buddy. Always fun. Thank you. Definitely, Jordy. Take care, buddy. Take care, buddy. Ali Cassell from At The Bird Rights. Um, now that she scored an Amazon Alexa or Google Home smart speaker for Christmas, you can listen to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. Do the smart thing. Have the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. Can we just get this Pelicans team healthy at the same time and let's play 20 games 20 games with everybody intact and then you can honestly see what this team's all about but until then uh, i still don't know still don't know talent oh yeah oh yeah but can they play together can they play as one all for one and one for all can they do that and chemistry i, I don't know time will tell i will right, we'll take our final time out back to wrap up our number one here on the jordy helpert show 
on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Now we're back to wrap up our number one. We'll talk a lot of college football, college basketball, hump day with Huguenin. Mike Huguenin from on3.com will join us as he does each and every Wednesday. Um, NFL playoffs right around the corner. Eight teams left in it and uh, all pursuing that uh, Lombardi trophy. There's still no word on the Sean Payton coaching watch list. All right, hour number two straight ahead on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. This is the Jordy Heltberg Show back after the top of the hour sports update. Stay with us. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go on this middle of the week, Wednesday, January 18th, the year 2023. James Mesh back in the producer's chair in the game studios on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which ha- is 1037 Lafayette. We're on 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area and you want to put a face to the voice, you can do that as well because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Our number one, we talked a lot about LSU hoops. They're back in action tonight, and they host uh, 16th-ranked Auburn, part of this four-game gauntlet that started off in the most horrendous way um, at Alabama when you lose by 40. How will this team react tonight? I think they'll be fine. I think they'll come out and play hard. I don't know if there's any question. They've got to they're fragile all right that's the best way i could put it they are fragile this team needs to see the ball go through the basket they're not a they're not a a team that thrives on the defensive end and that's what gives them the juice to go play on the other end they've got to see the ball go through the net they've got to shoot it well to have a chance i don't think auburn's any juggernaut um they don't shoot it well not like auburn teams in the past now you know they're going to have small quick guards but you know can can lsu figure out a way to get points in the paint any kind of points at the free throw line. They just got to score points. I think the first team to 65 wins this thing, which is odd in modern basketball with the three point line and the shot clock. It's, it's odd, but both of these teams are challenged offensively. You can listen to the game with pregame at 5.30, tip set for 6 p.m. right here on the game. The Pels back in action tonight after an eternity on the road, a 10-day, five-game road trip in which the Pels came back with two wins and three losses. They're currently in, still in the third spot 
but falling a little bit further and further behind Denver and Memphis. They're five games out of first now. Uh, so you got to win a game like this one tonight in the Smoothie King Center. Uh, no Brandon Ingram, no Zion Williamson, and the beat goes on. The new, big news today was the announcement of former LSU quarterback, St. Thomas Moore quarterback, Walker Howard. Uh, he's chosen his destination for his chance to play college football and it's in the sec west and it is in oxford mississippi so walker howard going to lane kiffin and the old miss rebels now um old miss has a quarterback there as well in jackson dart so let's let the competition begin jackson dart had good moments if walker howard's all that that uh uh, that they expect and anticipate, well, he'll, he'll compete. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, he'll win the starting quarterback job. But obviously, um, Jack Besh, his teammate and friend going to TCU, everybody kind of thought that was going to be the inevitable landing spot, but it wasn't, and he is going to Ole Miss. What kind of reception will that be when the Tigers and the Rebels meet? Uh, that that should be very interesting to say the very, very least. So you lose him, and now you've lost another offensive lineman. Cardell Stewart, who came in, just goes to show you, you, you got to take these stars – these recruiting services with a grain of salt. I'm not saying that they don't think that that player, based upon his performance in high school, okay, okay. So much with the offensive line, defensive line in high school football, you're just bigger than everybody else. So you dominate the smaller. It's like the blind side, right? With with the offensive lineman, and he's going up against a – 125-pound defensive end. Well, who do you think is going to win that? So, look, no no offense to Cardell Stewart. It just didn't work at LSU. He never, ever could ever seem to get on the field. Sometimes he was hurt. Sometimes the players were just better than he was. So I don't fault him at all for going because, you, you know, you, you practice, 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 and you want to play. You want to play. And so Cardell Stewart uh, has hit the transfer portal as well. Uh, just a few more days left in it before it shuts down, and then it'll open back up after spring football practice. And they'll have another week or 10 days for, for that to be open, and then you'll see some more shuffling off the Buffalo. I just kind of wonder and wonder and wonder. There's a reason why they put uh, Garrett Nussmeyer on the Spring Leadership Council. Um, I think they're trying to do everything they can. And that, look, that means he's going to be here for a very important spring practice period. And then we'll see if it looks like and it feels like he's going to be a second stringer yet again to Jaden Daniels. Then, then we'll see. Not every game's going to be like the Wake Forest game where you can alternate quarterbacks and put them in because you're you're blowing the team out. You know when you get into conference play or that opener against Florida State, you don't have time to fool around with that stuff. You, Brian Kelly's a one-quarterback guy unless he's completely changed his ways, which I don't see why he would. Then you got to worry about that quarterback room yet again. 
I'm not saying he's leaving. I'm just saying the potential is there if Jaden Daniels stars and shines in the in the spring game. What does Garrett Nussmeyer do? There would be a long, long list of schools that would covet him and covet him deeply. So still not out of the woods yet with that, with that. I don't know if he has the chance to become the starting quarterback. You know, I don't know. It's easy to play. And he played very well against Georgia. But the game was over. The game wasn't close. The game was over. He played well against Wake Forest. That game was over. There was no pressure. Just go back, throw the ball, and do what you do. Um, but Brian Kelly values the football. And, yes, he told Jaden Daniels, you got to take a few more chances, and I don't mind an interception every now and then. Yeah, well, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, so we'll see. Still not out of the woods uh, on that one. But Walker Howard heading to Oxford, Mississippi. Um, and we'll uh, give him the best, of, uh, the best of luck on that. Plain and simple. I mean, not Wake Forest, Purdue. What am I thinking about? Wake Forest. It was Purdue that they played in the bowl game. Golly. Sheesh. Purdue. And they destroyed them. They destroyed them. Arkansas is looking for a new offensive coordinator as Kendall Bryles uh, is expected to take on the same role with the TCU Horn Frogs. He's expected to make his return to the Big 12 where he coached for his father at Baylor. So one of the up-and-comers, right, um, is going to TCU in the wake of Garrett Riley, who's leaving that post to join Dabo Sweeney's staff at Clemson. Of course, Garrett, younger brother of Lincoln Riley at USC. So moving parts here and there, moving parts all around. So um, we'll see. Is that uh, Arkansas is going to have to look for, for a new guy? Um. And it comes uh, another coaching staff turnover heading for Sam Pittman as he has into his fourth year leading the program. Uh, defensive coordinator Barry Odom left to become the head coach at UNLV. He took linebackers coach Michael Shearer with him to lead the Reb, uh, the Vegas' defensive staff. Uh, tight ends coach uh, was hired away by South Carolina. Cornerback coach resigned before hired at Temple. So we'll see. Um, KJ Jefferson announced his plans to return for next season, along with star running back Rocket Sanders. So there's something to work with. Uh, but can Arkansas take the, take the next step? Uh, we shall see. We shall see. All right, uh, coming up, Michael Huguenin. On3.com, we'll talk all about college football, college basketball, and everything in between when we return here to the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Yes, it was Purdue that LSU destroyed. Yes. All right, we'll be right back. Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. Woo-hoo! 
on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, time to talk all things college sports, college football, college basketball with my main man, Michael. Good afternoon, sir. How are you doing on this January 18th? I uh, can't complain. Well, that's good. Yeah. I'd listen if you did. No one would care. Yeah. <laughs> you know what What struck me is funny. Uh, the news coming out of uh, Ann Arbor that uh, Jim Harbaugh is staying uh, at Michigan. But it didn't come from his athletic director. He just kind of leapfrogged the athletic director and told the president who told the athlete. Isn't there a chain of command? Is is there some big-time rift between AD and head football coach in Michigan? Yeah, that's uh, – I think it was one, one of the national writers for – I think it was uh, Yahoo. I think it was Pat Ford. He said that Ward Manuel and Harbaugh don't necessarily get along all that well. Um, it was a weird situation in terms of how it was announced, but um, I think if you're a Michigan fan, um, you're happy he's staying. Uh, I think he would have gotten an NFL opportunity. I think he's comfortable coaching college ball. Um, you know, the, the NFL job would have been, at, I think, a rebuild. If you're going to Denver, was was the place that that was the hot the hot the hot uh, word, but. That, that's a that's a team that needs a ton of help, and I'm not sure they have a quarterback. So um, I think it's good for college football too, because Michigan, mm-hmm. when Michigan and Ohio State are both good, it makes the Big Ten exceedingly interesting um, because there are few rivalries like that, and I, I think that, that both teams are going to open the season next year in the top ten, and I think for the first time in a while. Michigan's going to open the season ahead of Ohio State. I've always said that. I mean, I know they do it for television and all, and the the, the build up in the build up because there's really no other teams in that conference that are worth a, you know, that that come close to them. But it, uh, you know, it's uh, this year was an exception. Um, you know, Michigan beat Ohio State, and I thought, well, that's going to be the end for Ohio State because they don't have enough time to to regroup and and make something happen. But they did, as both teams got into uh, the Final Four. I guess with the expansion to twelve teams, it just doesn't matter anymore. Uh, those two teams are probably going to get in it if if everything remains status quo. With that in mind, um, forever and a day, it's always been Nick Saban's the best coach in college football, and and then, then it kind of goes around. Dabo Sweeney had a had a brief um, cup of coffee at the at close to the top. He maybe has dropped down. Give me your top five coaches in college football. Well, I think Saban, obviously. I, I think Kirby Smart, what he's building at Georgia, and I think I'm not sure if you and I discussed it, but Georgia's in a phenomenal place. I mean, Georgia's a lot like LSU. Yes, there are other Power Five teams. Um, in I'm sorry, well, not in LSU, not in Louisiana, but there are other FBS teams in your state. But nobody, you know, nobody in Louisiana goes grows up going, "Ooh, I want to play for Tulane," and same in Georgia, "Ooh, I want to play for Georgia Tech." So, uh, and, and Georgia produces more players than, than Louisiana. So, if Georgia has the right coach, they should be epic, epically good on an annual basis. And I think Mark right. Richt, you know, ebbed and flowed a little bit. Um, Donning got good players. Goff got good players. Those guys weren't great coaches. Uh, and, you know, Vince Dooley, it's interesting. For all the p- 
positives he had going on, he unfortunately coached at the same time as Bear Bryant. And I think that, that hurt Georgia a little bit. But um, I think Smart's up there, um, along with Saban. Um, and I still think Dabo knows what he's doing. I think Brian Kelly's a high-level coach. I think Lincoln Riley is a high-level offensive coach. Um, might be a little bit too um, – the word I want to use. Eh, loyal, I guess. I think this is a huge season for Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator there. Um, and, you know, there's – I think that's probably the, the five or six guys I, I think are the best. Um, I think Kalen DeBoer at Washington has a chance to show he's really high level. I, th- I still think Chip Kelly is a great offensive mind, though he's another guy who doesn't really care about defense and doesn't care about recruiting. Uh, Harbaugh is up there, Ryan Day. I think it's another guy who offensively he's got it going, but I'm not sure how well-rounded he is uh, yet. You know, he, t- he took over a phenomenal situation, and they certainly haven't really dropped that far, if at all. Um, but, yeah, I think those probably are the – I think I mentioned ten guys. Those would be the ten in some order for me. Okay, gotcha. Mike Hugan um, on three dot com. Welcome to the new world. Billy Napier woke up going, "Oh my gosh, what, what what's going on?" Like, apparently, Florida quarterback recruit Jaden Rashada requested a release from his national letter of intent last night after a thirteen million dollar nil deal fell through. What? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy the thirteen million dollar part. Um, but there's no question but that the NIL deal fell through. It's a black eye for Florida recruiting, and it's going to be something that Napier and his staff have to deal with on the recruiting trail, uh, for, uh, for, I would argue, for at least the rest of this calendar year. Um, you know, no other freshman at Florida has said anything. Um, they got a couple high-level commitments for the 2024 class, including a stud quarterback, D.J. Lagway. He hasn't said anything. So maybe this is a one-off, but there's no question but that it's going to be talked about uh, on the recruiting trail. They uh, Anthony Richardson's gone. They had a problem with Jalen Kitna, the backup, with some – Emory Jones left. Carlos Del Rio Wilson transferred. So Florida's got Wisconsin transfer Graham Mertz uh, and a guy named Jack Miller III right now at quarterback. Yeah, Florida's <sighs> quarterback situation's bad. Um, yeah. I think they, can, they feel they can make Mertz – into an adequate quarterback. Um, that's uh, I think that frankly is his ceiling. Adequate. Um, you know, is that enough for seven wins? Maybe so. Um, again, Lagway is supposedly the guy in, in the 2024 class, but I would think you'd be in the market for a portal quarterback next year at this time. And how they handle Mertz and what Mertz does could end up being a selling point for Florida if Mertz indeed does become adequate because he was not an adequate quarterback when he was at Wisconsin. So there's uh, this is, yeah, again, not a good time for, for, for Napier in terms of his offense. Uh, I think the, the goal was to have a, a transfer portal quarterback start this year as Rashada gets acclimated, but obviously now Rashada's not even going to be there which means they're going to need another Panther Portal quarterback next year when Lagway gets on campus. 
Miami's looking for uh, – they, they lost a quarterback, Jake Garcia. I, I, man, I, you talk about a guy that is the perfect candidate to enter the portal because I'm looking at his career. He attended five high schools in four years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, if ever a kid was the Marco Polo of football, this kid is. Uh, yeah, he is was a California any, guy is, who California canceled its football season in 2020 because of COVID. He transferred to the state of Georgia, led, I think it was uh, a team in Graysonville to a state title. But I think if you saw Jake Garcia play this year, you're like, eh, good luck finding a group of five school. Yeah. Um, he, he's, he's athletic, but his accuracy was not very good. Now, granted, that was a offense that was a dysfunctional mess, but I don't think that he put anything on tape that would wow um, schools. And he, again, they had a bad offensive line. He did not look comfortable when he had to move off his spot. So I don't know how high the market is going to be for Jake Garcia. Um, You know, Walker Howard had a pretty hot market, and it's interesting to me that Ole Miss is still wanting another quarterback. They're supposedly still very heavily in the mix for Spencer Sanders, and if they get Spencer Sanders, to me, that means that Jackson Dart will be leaving hmm. after spring practice. Uh, right. I don't know. I, I don't think Walker Howard is ready to play this fall. Um, and I think that's why they want another quarterback. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, it's just, uh, and these coaches, uh, Brian Kelly, for instance, you got Jaden Daniels, you got Garrett Nussmeyer. Um, Daniels started all of last year. Yes. Nussmeyer came in against Georgia and played well, but that game was was over with. It was done. He got into the bowl game and played against Purdue. That game was over and done before it ever started. How does Brian Kelly handle these two, knowing full well, now that you've lost Walker Howard, um, how, how does he handle this to make sure he doesn't lose another one? Well, I think, I think you know, spring practice will be interesting at LSU, though. <laughs> If you're Nussmeyer, um, it's not like Jaden Daniels played poorly. Um, and I get that quarterbacks, uh, of, you know, the, the only position on the field, you know, you can play one at a time. If you're a running back and you're the third string running back, you're playing on a weekly basis. If you're a backup offensive lineman, chances are you get in for eight to ten plays. If mm-hmm. you're the number six wide receiver, you're getting in the game. If you're the third string tight end, you're getting in the game. Um, but the third-string quarterback, you ain't seeing the field unless there's an injury. Um, mm. But it is going to be an interesting spring practice. I don't know how um, aligned Nussmeyer is with LSU, though it is – I mean, it's not like you're playing at, you know, scrap iron U. It's a good football program with a lot of tradition. I, I still think that – some, there are some kids out there, and given who Nussmeyer's dad is, uh, I think there's some kids out there that realize I'm better off not playing and learning more, though that's sometimes hard to convince players of that. Yeah, interesting times. Uh, the portal's about to close. It'll open up again after spring practices, so yeah, you'll see some more some more movement there. Uh, what is what is the future of the portal? Is that here to stay forever? Well, or are I they going to be limitations? So. Yeah, I think the they put up the uh, the the windows are new, uh, forty five days 
after the conference title game. So technically it closes today, but names will still be put in through Friday because the school has 48 hours to put in a name. And if you're a graduate, you can enter at any time. So players are still going to be going into the portal, drips and drabs, though, not the flood that has been going in. And you can come out of the portal anytime you want. It depends totally on the academic calendar at the school you choose. Uh, but, yeah, the oh, – well, excuse me. The portal's not going away. It will be interesting to see if they narrow the window again. I don't think they will. I think they're more likely to change the early signing period than they are the portal window. Will they, will they continue to be able to transfer without having to sit out? Yes, I think, that's, I think that's, is, is, that's not going away. I think there's, there's, there's going to be a handful of players next year who are going to be on their fourth school. Um, and a lot of those are because the, the COVID year, 2020, people need to, I think people forget, you could have played every play of every game and never come off the field, and that year did not count. That's sort of a free year. So there's going to be sixth and seventh year college football players next year. Some of those are going to be on their third or fourth schools. Um, I don't think you're going to see a guy five years from now be on a fourth school. But, again, if you're a graduate, um, they they can't be stopped. So I do think, though, that coaches are a little bit irritated when a guy transfers three times in his first three years. I think they're going to try to do away with that, make some, put some concrete rules in, pass those. You get one free transfer, and that's it, unless you're a graduate. Uh, but the portal, you know, I have zero problem with the free transfer. And, again, you and I have talked about this before, too. I think the NCA sponsors 28 sports. Only in five of those sports did you have to sit out when you transferred. If you were a track athlete, you didn't have to sit out. A golfer, a swimmer, a volleyball mm-hmm. player, a soccer mm-hmm. player, you didn't have to sit out. So football players and basketball players were held to a different standard. That has changed. And coaches can, coaches can go leave whenever they want. So why, are, why would players be held right. to a different standard? Right. Mike Egan and On3.com. Do you ever see a time where, case in point, Brock Bowers of Georgia, the tight end, he's so NFL ready right now. Do you ever see a point where the NFL goes, look, uh, college football, uh, this guy's ready. We want to pick a number one. Um, let's let him go after two years. Do you ever foresee something like that? I think the, a lawsuit could happen, yeah. Um, I think this is an NFL rule more than a college rule in, in that you have to be three years removed from high school. Okay. So I know when Maurice Claret tried to go pro about 20 years ago, um, his it, it was not a lot. I mean, he, he lost in court. I don't know the statute, so to speak, that he tried right. to use. But you're right. There, There's a handful of – Will Anderson's another guy. Um, he could yeah. have left, I think, Alabama after last year. Right. Heck, Brock Bowers probably could have left LSU. I'm sorry, left Georgia after one year. So um, I think that, yeah, it does seem to be, oh, yeah, you know, if you sign the college, you're there for three years. I'm not necessarily sure that's always going to be the case. 
Yeah, I'm with you. All right, Mike Hugan and On3.com. We will take a time out here. When we come back, we'll shift gears, talk a little college hoops. Houston back at number one. They, they played Tulane yesterday, beat them by 20, but it was great to see old Fogelman Arena, all about 4,000 of it, packed to the rafters. That, that's pretty cool. But we'll talk some college hoops and other things with Mike Hugan and uh, Hump Day with Hugan after this time out here on the Jordy Helper Show. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Back as we continue with Mike Huguenin on 3.com. We talked some college football. Let's shift over to the hardwood. Um, I just saw a really good game. Kansas at Kansas State. That, that, I just College basketball is so great because, man they, man, they play hard. They fight hard. And uh, that was a heck of a ball game. Did Kansas State won at Little Manhattan? Uh, a fun game to watch. And, and you, you love games and it. <laughs> that the winning basket comes on a lob dunk with, like, three seconds left. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, former SEC star Keontae Johnson for K-State, the guy that, you know, two years ago collapsed to the floor and they, nobody knew what was wrong with him. And he was not cleared to play medically at Florida. K-State was one of the schools that, that did clear him, and he's playing extremely well. And that's an example of a team with a first-year coach who has uh, who has used the transfer portal extremely well, and his guys have meshed, and it's he he looks like a fun coach to play for. They get up and down the court, uh, and they also play pretty good D. Yeah, that the Big Twelve is loaded. The Big oh, man, Ten is loaded. I mean, all those two conferences are going to take up about thirty three percent of the field. Yeah, it seems like the 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 big the Big Twelve is to me the best league. Um, West Virginia, I think, is bad. Um, and they're in dire straits right now. Heck, they fired uh, Huggins' longtime assistant, Larry Harrison, yeah. last week, and Harrison took to Twitter yesterday and said, this blindsided me. So, oh. But that's a good league. The Big Ten's got a couple teams. I mean, Purdue with Zach Eady. Man, he is – that a was a phenomenal dude. game on Monday. Then yeah. beating Michigan State, fantastic basketball game. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the Big 12 and, to me, the – the Big 12 is clearly and distinctly the best basketball league this year. Uh, the, the number one team in the country has a head coach in Kelvin Sampson. We know about uh, all his excessive phone calls. He got in trouble. Bill Self in Kansas are number two. We know he got in trouble, got a little slap on the wrist. Your two best teams are with coaches that have uh, run afoul of the NCAA in their past. Yeah, and, and I guess the thing for Sampson, you can say he actually got fired, whereas Self, Kansas, said, I will give you a lifetime contract. So, That's right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Houston, to, to me, they are number one right now. I don't think any team in that league can beat them. Um, you know, Memphis is too inconsistent, though. They got some talent. Uh, UCF um, thought it was going to be really good this year. I don't think they're as good as they thought they were going to be. Tulane gave them a shot last night for about, I guess, about 30 minutes, and then yeah. Houston pulled away. It's a well-coached team with good players. And, yeah, they, they play lockdown defense when they want to. So um, it, it is an impressive team. Um, I don't know if they can win at all, but I think they're going to be ranked number one when the season ends. Yeah, I don't think they have the competition they have to play against the rest of the way. I don't see them losing again until they get to the tournament, and then we'll see what happens there. Uh, Alabama is the, is the top of the SEC with Tennessee close behind. 
Kentucky's nowhere to be found. Um, we, we've talked about this before. Um, Cal, Kentucky, you know about the those those fans and what they feel. Is there any pressure on him? You think? Oh yeah, I think there's a ton of pressure on him. Him and the AD, Mitch Barnhart, supposedly, like we mentioned before, with Ward Manuel and Harbaugh. Uh, I okay. think Calipari and Barnhart might be uh, worse. But yeah, you know, you, you, last last week I'm like, oh my god, they're going to, they're going to go to Knoxville and get their doors blown in. And they win. They win. Coming off a loss to a horrible South Carolina team at yeah. home, they go into Knoxville and beat Tennessee by seven because, oh, my God, they actually played defense. And then last night for a half, they looked abysmal against Georgia. But people forget Georgia's coached by Mike White. So just play two halves of basketball, and you're going to beat a Mike White coach team. And yeah. Kentucky just dominated the second half and ended up winning by 14. Interesting game. On Saturday, they get Texas A&M at home. A&M's got an interesting Florida team tonight. Um, yeah, last week I would have said Kentucky is not going to the NCAA tournament. This week I'm like, well, you know something? If they can win in Knoxville, yeah, they can go to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, yeah. Uh, LSU got bludgeoned um, <laughs> uh, by Alabama by 40. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, <clears throat> haven't talked about it in a while, but they still haven't. The NCAA still hasn't come down with anything on LSU. What takes so long That's, on this deal yeah, with yeah, Wade? A couple of weeks ago, you, you had the uh, Michigan announcing that the NCAA was looking into Harbaugh and its football program. And right. a lot of people immediately said, well, this will make Harbaugh jump to the NFL. And you're like, what? The, the threat of NCAA action, I think it's it's like – if you're outside on a hot day in the swamps of Florida or Louisiana and you got a mosquito on you, you brush it off. That's about, I think, as much as schools worry about the NCA right now. I used on another show the analogy that you know my grandfather uh, grew up in North Carolina and did not take great care of his teeth. had a had a had dentures. It was, mm-hmm. and then he you know watching him eat corn on the cob was. Not not pleasant, but that's what the NCA is, man. They're an old person gumming corn. They they have zero power, and they're counting on Congress to help them with NIL. Their enforcement staff is shorthanded. Um, you wonder if they're going to say, "Okay, LSU, you got rid of the coach. Okay, you're fine." Yeah, and then seriously, because you know, I I, I don't know what they're waiting for, but it, it seemingly takes them. You know the FBI. The FBI has been involved, and still the NCA can't get anything done. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. He is Mike Hugan and on three dot com. Jay Wright looks like he's very prophetic as Villanova's fallen off the face of the earth. It, do, do you think he saw that coming, or do you think he was really just burnt out? And uh, would he have made a difference with Villanova this year? Yeah, I think they would be maybe three more wins. I don't think that was it was not a elite eight kind of team, but I think he is an he was an excellent coach. Yeah, um, yeah. I think he did get burned out. I think he's one of those guys who the NIL aspect bugs him. Um, and I can see him coaching again. Again, that that's not a, I think he I think he knew this team was not going to be an elite eight kind of team, mm-hmm. but the fact if he were there, it would be an NCAA tournament team, and I'm not sure they're going to NCAA tournament team with Kyle Neptune. And Neptune was, you know, he was a longtime Jay Wright assistant. Jay Wright loves the guy, um, but for whatever reason, they're not playing very good basketball at all. 
Oh, I can see. I, I can see the perfect transition. Jay Wright to Kentucky. Okay. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. No, and thing is, I you know, I think there's fans out there who like Jay Wright and don't like Kentucky, and they're like, oh, my God, do I have to pull for Kentucky if Jay Wright coaches them? But <laughs> that would clean up. If, if that indeed is the case, yeah, that would be an interesting hire. Interesting hire. Man, 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 man. Um, back to college football, just for a minute, thinking about coaches. Um Everybody talks about the demise of Saban, but he's not going anywhere. They're going to be good again. I just wonder how long he wants to do it. You think he's a football lifer? I think he's going to be coaching into his 70s and all that stuff. Well, he's in his 70s now. You you do sort of wonder. I mean, I don't get the allure of working when you're past 70. Heck, I don't get the allure of working if you're past 60. Um, I'm with you. Uh, you know, retirement, I mean, I, I get, you know, he's a driven guy, um, and I, he does get a lot of enjoyment out of coaching. But y- you do wonder, I mean, does he have five years left? Does he have three years left? That's, I think, the big question in college football. I do think, obviously, he wants to win one more before he steps down, um, which is going to, I mean, his his protege um, has it really going on in Athens, man? I mean, we, we talked last week about Georgia's schedule. Good Lord, it's easy. So, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, maybe Saban, in the back of his mind, if I can win one more, I'm out of here. Um, because what, what does he have left to prove? Um, and, again, you and I have talked about this for, for two decades. At its core, being a college coach means basically begging 18- and 19-year-olds to come and play for you. And after a while, I would think that would get beyond old. Yeah. I don't want to do that anymore. So we'll see. Um, lost his defensive coordinator. That's no big surprise. But the fact that he lost him to, to Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin may be a surprise. I, I think it's hard. I don't think it's hard working for Saban. You don't have any life. Right. Um, you know, it just is what it is. So he's looking for a better way of life. Um, does does Saban go back and hire uh, Jeremy Pruitt? Who got in all kinds of trouble at Tennessee. You know, the fact that Alabama lost. I don't think Alabama lost Pete Golding. I think Alabama is frankly very fine with Pete Golding leaving. Yes. Uh, Pete Golding found another another job in the same division, which is good for him. Um, I think if you ask some people at Alabama, they're like, okay, fine. He he did all he could here. It's fine for him to move on. So, But, you know, and you're still waiting to see what happens with Bill O'Brien because I didn't think he'd be there for two years. Right. I thought he would leave after one, but he's been there for two. Now Bryce Young is gone, um, and there's all sorts of rumors about, oh, Bill O'Brien's uh, he, he's going to be an NFL offensive coordinator. It just depends on where he goes. Um, so you could be looking at an Alabama team looking for two new coordinators. I think Pruitt makes sense on some levels. Uh, he doesn't make sense on some also, though, because you're right, NCA problems. Plus, maybe Saban wants some new blood in there, and that's what he yeah. did when he hired Golden, because you know, Golden came from UTSA. Right. So, And there are a lot of high-level young coaches out there um, that, that, that Saban – he could get anybody he wanted. He could go to the NFL and get a position coach. Heck, he might be able to go to the NFL and get a defensive coordinator if he wants one. So that is going to be, you know, now that the Harbaugh situation has been determined, I think the coordinator situations at Alabama 
are the, is, is the next big story. They need a DC, yeah. are they going to need an OC as well? Right. Um, Harbaugh's got to be a really good coach. I mean, he did it in the NFL, got to a Super Bowl with, with Colin Kaepernick as his quarterback, and look what he's done at Michigan. Is he a better NFL coach or a better college coach? That's an interesting question. I think that I, taking a team to the Super Bowl ain't easy. No. Uh, but I also think he's, I mean, he had that two-year dip at Michigan, and he was, what's the word I want here? Um, you know, some coaches are stubborn and dig their heels in, and I think right. that's what happened at, that with Dabo, but then he all of a sudden changed his mind, went out and got Garrett Riley. I think mm-hmm. Harbaugh two years ago, when there was a lot of reports that, you know, this guy's overpaid, he needs to go, this program has slid a long way, he took a pay cut, messed with his buyout clause, brought in new blood from outside, and it reinvigorated his team, and by all accounts, it reinvigorated him. So I think that he is in a good place right now. I think he likes coaching college ball. I think he really likes coaching Michigan. The fact that he's won two in a row in a big way against Ohio State. He's got to mm-hmm. be loving that. But there is a little controversy now with his co-offensive coordinator um, right. with, with the computer thing, which obviously is, is not good for Michigan. But I, I think Harbaugh is a really high-level college coach. Um, and he also went, you know, he was a guy who wasn't really big in the portal, but this year he has hit the portal a little harder. Um, I think he has adapted. And, again, I think he's been reinvigorated the last couple years. Yeah, pretty good. Um, he, he's done it at both levels. Saban couldn't do it on the NFL level, yep. but but Harbar certainly did. So um, he, he checks all the boxes as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, all right, we shall see. Um, uh, the portal's about, the portal's closing. Got a couple of days left with that. Uh, spring ball right around the corner, but college basketball takes center stage. Who's your, who's your favorite team in college hoops this year? I like to watch. Who do I like to watch the most? That's an interesting question. Um, you know, last year I loved watching Illinois. Um, mm-hmm. And then they flamed out early. Um, I like, you know, I was impressed by UConn early on. They've hit the skids a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, Iowa State, I like watching Iowa State. They shoot a boatload of three-pointers. They play really good defense. Um, Marquette is fun to watch because they're up-tempo. Xavier's up-tempo. It's, it, you know, and, and Rutgers is extremely well-coached, but good Lord, I don't like watching Rutgers because they're all about defense. So yeah. teams that get up and down the court run, you know, Purdue does that, Arizona does that, Gonzaga still, Marquette. Baylor this Alabama. year is really good offensively. Those are the teams Alabama's I like Alabama's really good, man. Alabama's really Alabama, good. Alabama, yeah, it's another team that plays good offense. But I think they're better than people give them credit for on defense. Yes. And that Miller they're, kid is just phenomenal. Ooh, ooh, good player. Good, good, good player. All right, Mike Hugan and All3.com, always great talking to you, buddy. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week, and thank you as always. Always enjoy it, man. Thanks. Yep. You're the best. Nobody better than Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holberg Show for Hump Day with Huguenin. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game.
1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Yeah, you just thought Brett Mayer of the Dallas Cowboys was was in like Flynn. Well, not so fast. The Cowboys are going to sign Tristan Vizcano to the practice squad as insurance. If Mayer struggles when he kicks in practice on Thursday and Friday, the Cowboys will at least have Vizcano ready for when they take on the San Francisco 49ers. So a couple of big practice days ahead for Brett Mayer tomorrow. Uh, the Schwab will join us, and we'll talk all about the NFL divisional playoff games, the eight teams remaining, and get his picks as we do each and every Thursday. So stay tuned. If today is uh, your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Hope you have a great one. A little cake and ice cream, maybe even a present. You share yours with uh, is one of my favorites. See, it doesn't matter what it may be, riding horses, Uh, Throwing a baseball, whoever. Um, Kevin Costner is 68 years old today. And everybody talks about uh, Tom Brady playing his last game for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Well, playoff Lenny may have played his last game for the Bucks. He may be traded. Leonard Fournette is 28 years old today. Boy, he seems like he's been playing in the the league forever. But happy birthday, playoff Lenny. Y'all are one and done. A special thanks to our guest, Koki Riley, talking LSU hoops. Ali Cassell talking about the Pels against the Heat tonight. And, of course, Mike Huguenin from On3.com talking all things college football, college basketball, etc., etc. James Mesh, thank you, sir, for your job in the producer's chair today. Greatly appreciate that. Thanks to all of you for listening in whatever form or fashion that you do, whether it be the radio, the internet, the television. We thank you. And to our partners, well, we couldn't get it done without you. Greatly appreciate you each and every day. So come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4, same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Uh, let's be kind, kind to one another. It doesn't take much. Just be kind. And uh, let's be happy. Life's short. Be happy. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care.